Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little artsy up in here, up in here. You welcome on in. It's Friday, October 14th. 2022 and what you're looking at live right in front of you the multi-time award-winning best damn combat sports show period yeah it's morning combat right here right now i'm the beige one brian campbell your hostess with the mostest on these fridays in which of course we do it for the art we're also though going to set the stage for a big weekend and no one no one better to break down the x's and o's to take a dead wrong on the chin seven times than one of the finest fight analysts in the game today, whether he's tough enough to accept a fight or not. Yes, it's Luke Thomas. I always wait to see how you're going to introduce me. It's always mostly nice. And then a couple of little stabby stabs into the uh, floating rib there from you. But BC, it's nice to see you. How are you doing? I'm excited. Dude, we got good fights this weekend. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Dude, I'm 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 pre- I don't say this often. I'm pretty damn jazzed up for women's boxing this weekend, Luke. It's it's they've got me. They've got they got the hooks in me. All right, a lot of a lot of sauciness going on. Yeah, there's a lot of dude. The weigh-ins uh, for the fights. Let's see. Well, they uh, the face-off that they had, and then some of the other pressers that they had for the women's fights. They've been they've been intense. Like Wilder and Hellenius, obviously they used to train together, so they're very you know professional but cordial. Yo, the ladies are out there trying to kill each other, so I'm uh, I'm yeah. looking forward to all of that. And then Saturday Haney and Kimbosas, no one cares about. Saturday afternoon is ladies' night on the East Coast. Uh, a lot of box. We got some UFC this weekend, some headlines to toss around. Uh, here's what I want to start off with and from the idea of me shilling stuff to you guys. No, not Kurt, not the bloody sock, although I was there, Luke, for game six. How about morningcombat.store right now? This hat, this mug, this smile on sale but we're stepping things up slowly. If you're watching on YouTube, go to look at your YouTube page right now. Below the description, you can actually see some of pictures of our newest products. You can click on the link and go directly to our merch house, morningcombat.store. And Luke Thomas, I know you don't visit this place often, but we got new hats. And they're they're bad. I don't even have them yet. They're badass. You could get yours before me. Have you checked out any of our new merch, Luke? I'm uh, looking at morningcombat.store now. The first thing that comes up is, of course... The Pornhub ripoff, which is just amazing. Let's look at the hats. So you're talking about the hats. Oh, is the Arding hat? Is that what you're talking about? Or is there the director hat? Uh, the amateur hat? director hat, the Arding hat, the the tra- the black trucker hat with the with the sun and moon logo. I mean, we got some I have good to say, stuff. the amateur director hat is uh, quite on brand. Quite on brand. But I, 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 I wear the hat. bomber jackets. Was... Dude, I wear the bomber jackets every day. I drop my daughter off at school. Yeah. And uh, I get compliments on them. People love it. People love Your it. Mr. Plow jacket. Yeah, it's good to finally get this. She, my dad used to wear those set. He was in motorcycle clubs when I was a kid. So he always wore those like satin. You know, it's like the equivalent of, of like your older brother played on the varsity football team, Luke. So I never got to be that cool. And now I can with the MK. And you can too out there. Because Luke, let's be honest. Most of our audience. Well, first of all, it's like 99% male. But secondly, I'd have to say we've got that washed 35 to 50 year old window on lockdown right now they ain't cool anyway they might as well put on the mk and try try hard at least right i mean if you're not going to just throw in the towel on any hope of being cool which at this point you and i have fully accepted just wear what you want to wear right just do the kind of thing you want to do you're not holding up any standards 
Go buy the hat, you washed piece of shit. Yeah, if you want to wear uh, jeans with a rip right in the crotch on a live podcast, Luke, do you, all right? At how long How long, How long? long take you for the Brendan Schaub dig? Five minutes, not even? Three minutes, maybe? Pretty good. Uh, wow. Wow, I almost, <laughs> I almost saw too much, Luke, okay? I think I did, yeah. I admit, I was like, I didn't necessarily need to see that myself, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't been... I haven't felt that awkward since that Sean Strickland, Strickland uh, Truck Diaries interview, Luke. Wow, all right, let's keep this show on the tracks. Here we go, Showtime.com. Com is uh, one of the labels that I talked very... to Brendan about that. By the way, uh, what do you say? What can you, can you share? <laughs> I, I have the. I mean, I don't know how it was edited. I have a feeling a fair amount was left on the cutting room floor based on uh, Sean Strickland having positively insane worldviews. So yeah, all right. Well, you can find some very sane products on Showtime.com. The best Bellator MMA, the best in combat sports with Showtime Championship Boxing. Next Thursday, next Friday, excuse me, by the way, BC back for the final show, show box, the new generation card of this calendar year. Go to Showtime.com right now. So here's our package, right? 30 days free. You already knew that. But the next three months are $3.99. Take it for a test ride, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. I'll tell you that much. Uh, thank you for supporting those. You know, Luke, I'm rocking some AG1 right now. Um, BC, when, is the, when are you doing Showbox again? You're kidding, right? I, I, dude, I can barely keep up with when my daughter has to go to the dentist. Do you think I can keep up with your showbox schedule? Just tell well, me. I mean, I, you know, I think it was 13 seconds ago that I said it, Luke, but that's... Oh, that's, I know, but I'm trying to navigate a bunch of stuff here. I apologize. Please tell me. Uh, next Friday, Atlantic City, the final showbox, the new generation card of this calendar year. Got it. Okay. You want to catch BC? You can get it on Showtime like that. There you go. Yeah. You want to catch people catching fades while you catch BC watching? You should tune in there to, <laughs> to the old showbox and check that shit out. Yes. 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 Right. Uh, what, what was Kirk, What did Kirk Cousins say that time when he like when he got all you happy? Like that. You yeah, like you like that. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna use that line, Luke. I mean, I'm not in the game anymore, but if I was, wow. But you right? gotta, it's not like you, you you know you can't say it politely. Like the way Cousins was like, "You like that? You like that?" I was like, <laughs> "Settle down, Captain Interception." Uh, do we have anything to say to our <clears throat> people or uh, anything else, Luke? Before we launch this into the well, ethos? I know we're gonna talk about UFC here. We do have some breaking news that's not great about this card this weekend. I don't know if you want to get into that yeah, now or spill, not. Spill the tea leaves, Luke. Well, basically what happened was Askar Askarov was supposed to fight Brandon Royville, which BC had identified on Wednesday, quite correctly, as one of the better fights on this whole card. Frankly, one of the better fights all weekend, if we're being honest, certainly for that flyweight division. Well, uh, Askarov couldn't make weight, and it turns out, and I don't blame him, I, I never, if guys want to accept catchweight fights, that's up to them, but they're under no obligation to do it, and Royville didn't want to accept a catchweight bout, so there's no replacement, so that bout is now officially off. The first report came to us from... Um, I think it's from, uh, let's see, I got the guy here. Oh, yes, Carlos Contreras Lagaspi. He is from a Mexican reporter, and he's there. And uh, that sucks. That sucks. Uh, the raw dog was forced to seek protection, Luke. <laughs> the raw dog wanted to protect himself. Yeah. Who hates yeah. condoms more, him or Herschel Walker? I really will never know. Oh, wow. <laughs> Back to the well on that one. Wow. All right. Uh Thank I mean, you the guy hates much. condoms, BC. I mean, loathes them. You know. You got any other weekend plans, Lou? Oh, our, we have weekend plans. Uh, so here's the deal. You already know that YouTube.com slash Morning Combat is, I mean, it's just a fantastic place to go. If you follow us here on social and you like what and subscribe to what we do, it's not just our three live shows. It's interviews with the biggest names. It's it, Doc 7 speaks for itself. A film, a cinematic classic, a masterpiece. 
But Saturday night, Luke, we know tomorrow's a big-ass boxing day and night. Mm -hmm. BC coming live on the MKs at the conclusion of that final fight, whether it's the Wilder pay-per-view or the Devin Haney fight in Australia. I'm going to be coming on to break down those, break down the first all-women's card. Uh, um, Let's do this Saturday night, okay? Yeah. Very exciting. Yes, very good. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat to catch some BC giving you guys the breakdown for the weekend's contest. Should be fun. Yeah. No feces. That's Monday morning, okay? No Saturday feces. night, you get the food, right? Well, there might be some feces in your dungarees, but it wouldn't be the first time, now would it? Wow. Hey, how about that Moneyline commercial, the new one posted today, Luke? You into it? I know. Could we look more pathetic in that and washed? Especially especially me. I mean, at least you're doing a bit and a getup. I just look sad and old. I, I looked a little exotic, though, to be fair with you. All right, you let's, did let's look like Joe Exotic. Let's, exotic. <laughs> let's launch this. Here we go. Uh, it's fight weekend. Fridays, we set the stage. The X's and O's, the picks. We'll put a little money in your pocket if you listen close enough. Topic number one comes back to the Apex on Saturday night. UFC fight night. And while we lose Askar Askarov, Brandon Royval, which may have been the best fight on the card, a pivotal UFC flyweight bout will be the headliner as both Alexa Grasso and Vivian Arujao attempt to go the five-round distance for the first time, both lo- knocking on that larger title picture door with Valentina Shevchenko on top. Tyler Santos still there. And, of course, you got Murphy, Chukagian. You've got the regular, usual suspects. This is a big one, though. So, Luke Thomas, as we stand right now, our friends at Caesar Sportsbook have Alexa Grasso as a minus 210 betting favorite. Arujao? Arujao? So I, 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 I did some research to see how her name was pronounced, and the gringos definitely say Araujo. But I'm guessing if you speak Portuguese, it's not so clunky. I'm guessing it's probably more like Araujo, something like that. Yeah. All right. well, we'll, we'll find out if you're aroused after this fight card. But Luke, the, the odds you, just that's jumped. That's you on Instagram looking at straw weights. The odds just jumped. Grasso minus 230. Vivian plus 190. Luke, mm. uh, how good of a fight is this here? How closely are these two matched up in your eyes? Pretty good fight. In fact, we were talking about this, I think, earlier in the week. That is this a number one contender fight? Is this not? And then folks were bringing up, what about Chukagian? taking on Manon Fioro at UFC 280 just a week later. Could that be one as well? And you have to imagine if Fioro beats Chukagian, it's certainly possible. But to me, to answer the question that, you're, that you posed, I would much rather the winner of this fight get it. I get that beating Chukagian would be a big deal if Fioro could manage it. But I don't know, like the win streaks that these two are on, the kind of competition that they've had to face, and in particular, getting by one another here, whoever manages to do that, that's a very difficult assignment. Um, Alexa Grasso... One of the preeminent talents out of Mexico. Certainly phenomenal boxing. Great overall record. Vastly improved. 29 years of age, as we indicated previously. And then Araujo. Again, if I'm mispronouncing that, you can you can kill me for it. I'm trying. Uh, 35 years of age, BC. But very, very physical for the weight class. Jumping in and out of range. Very good chin. Strong wrestler. I noticed in a lot of scrambling to, uh, opportunities, she's just really, can you know, to borrow the term, can manhandle. Some of her opponents, you saw that in the Andrea Lee fight. Now, Lee made some bad choices with some of the, the strikes she was throwing that helped contribute to that. But in the first round, Lee uh, not, knocked her down. And then as she tried to get up, she ate a head kick on the throat. And then not 15 seconds later, Arujao or Araujo was able to take her down and get on top and then really kind of just manage the grappling the rest of the fight in a very dominant way. She's tough. She's durable. She's athletic. 
This is a great contest. Very, very excited to see who wins. And I think the winner of this would be a deserving contender yeah. for sure. I, and I think moving forward, people would rather have you mispronounce Adu Zhao than try three different ways each time, Luke. But I know, it sucks. I'm, I'm, I, listen, I'm trying. I'm, it's hard. I don't know. You're damned if you do on this show, and you already know that, Luke, okay? But uh, the deal here on the idea of this being potentially a number one contender bout if the winner looks spectacular, uh, I think the jab against that is that Adu Zhao, two fights ago in 2021, did drop a decision to Caitlin Chukagian. So if Caitlin wins on one side of this bracket and Vivian does, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the direction. I don't know what's next for the title picture for Valentina, to be honest. Valentina may not even be next if the UFC end up taking the idea of a third bout with Amanda Nunes seriously. But uh, Luke, uh, it was Alexa Grasso this week who, who said... I think this is the final four. I think we're looking at that Firo mm. uh, Chukagian matchup and this one, and that would suggest that there's a possibility the winners would have to face each other. But that's for the winner. Let's talk about how we get there. Alexa Grasso, who we have identified this week as you know really becoming a dual threat and has that slick boxing, but but certainly can be an aggressive wrestler on the ground. She said when asked to size up her opponent. That the focus on this training camp on a heavy level was jujitsu. And in Grasso's opinion, if she can get a sub of Arajo, this could be, you know, her strongest statement she could possibly make as to trying to either cut that line or continue on toward that world title. Do you Yeah, agree? that's interesting. I I I would be somewhat surprised. I mean, I guess a guillotine choke would be in play or something like that. I, I frankly would be surprised if that's how this fight is settled. I mean, the, here's the big knock on Araujo, right? It's that while she is old, but, you know, again, relatively speaking, as I mentioned before, very athletic. But the thing you notice is that the numbers speak to this. So she has, I said this on Wednesday, she has a negative differential. She, she lands 4.76 strikes per minute. That's high. But she absorbs 5.13. So she has a negative differential. And the tape kind of speaks to it. She does do a lot of stance switching, which she uses to take angles, and that's good. But the problem is, dude, she just jumps into range without much setups all the time. And as a consequence, she gets tagged. The reason why it hasn't really set her back all that much is because, one, she's a powerhouse with the wrestling. She's good. She has 90% takedown defense, right? She's hard to take down. She's very, very strong for the weight class. Dude, she's durable. She is, like, you can tell she is very athletic. But she's literally jumping into range constantly. In the early parts of fights, her opponents just continuously land on her. What happens is she kind of takes over, at least in some of the fights that, you know, more recently, she kind of takes over as the fight goes on. Um, and so the the real test for me is for Grasso to remain disciplined with what she already has pretty well, which is a great boxing game, pretty decent kickboxing game. And I'm also going to say this, pay attention to me, like the biggest X factor we see well, obviously, to what be what extent Grasso can stop the takedown and get to her feet. We, we kind of hinted at that earlier. But there's another one, too, which is the leg kicks. For someone like Arujo, who moves in and out, side to side, taking angles constantly, even if she's getting hit, she just continues to move. She never really seems to check leg kicks either. If I'm Alexa Grasso and her team, surely, surely landing some kind of damaging leg kicks to reduce that movement to make her even more hittable than she already is has to be a part of it. I don't know, BC, if Grasso can stop Arujo in this contest because she is so durable and tough, but I would I would be surprised if a submission is the way in which she finds this. I, I tend to think the best opportunity is going to be on the feet because on the ground, Arujo is not only like very, very good as a grappler, she's 
very physically strong. And I've seen Grasso kind of struggle with more sort of physically dominant grappler types. I just don't think that's going to be her best way well, here's to the get thing. this done. Here's the thing, though, Luke. If she agrees with you, and I think it's fair that uh, Arujao seems to be tough. I mean, Arujao's gone into the final round. She never, none of, neither of them have had the chance to fight five. But Arujao has been at least into the third in her last eight fights. So she's durable. Uh, it's probably not likely, as you mentioned, that Grasso can stop her. But Grasso also wants to make a continued large statement here to to, to get her, her, her just reward. So in her eyes, maybe looking at it from the idea of, if I can stop her, that's the ultimate statement. So maybe the, the, the path could be submission-wise. And now Grasso did give Vivian credit and saying, look, you know, she's tough as nails, physically strong. It's not going to be easy down there. But Luke, you've got to have big confidence if you're Grasso when you're fresh off a first-round submission win over Joanne Wood. And, you know, Wood's not knocking on the title door at the moment here. She's been around for a while, but she's a tough out. And that was a dominant performance from Alexa Grasso. I want to spin it back to you and ask this. I agree when you put these two against each other that Grosso should be the betting favorite. I think she has the brighter feature of the two. And to be honest, I also think she, overall she's the better fighter. But one thing that helps in me having that opinion, I think it gives me extra confidence, is she's getting better very fast on on, on this like incremental level, but but very quickly. And when she moved up to this division because she kind of her body forced her out of the the one fifteen pound weight class. There were questions, and she's, you know, answered those solidly with three straight wins. I think that she was, you know, you go back and you watch the, the two losses. She had one at 115, one a majority decision loss to Esparza, one, one getting handled by Felice Herrig. She's a different fighter back then. How she's been able to adapt and grow is me looking back at you and saying, Luke Thomas, don't be surprised if Grasso gets to another level during this fight because I think she's someone who's hungry and is now just figuring out the right weight class mixed with how great can I be? It's kind of all coming together right now. And I think she's got the toughness underneath that she'll need to, to try to give her best shot at the title level. If she gets a sub here, I won't be surprised, but I know you will be Luke. I would be surprised. I, I would, I would, I mean, here's the problem, like straight up jujitsu versus jujitsu. I would, and, and wrestling, I would probably favor Araujo. So that's the first problem. The second problem is I could see her getting a sub Grasso provided she was able to hurt her first but vivian is very durable so to me it, it, you know I, I just feel like i understand your point that there's this really kind of like a precipice moment in her career that she could cross over into something special and you know garner all kinds of opportunities and also demonstrate new strengths and at 29 by the way it should be clear this person is probably not even in her prime yet you know certainly getting there so there are improvements maybe incremental or otherwise we could expect, but I just feel like you you don't want a game plan as your A game around a worst case scenario. I, that's not really right. You want to build towards your strengths, but we already have strengths of you have an opponent who's hittable and you have an, a, a fighter like Grasso who is a good, consistent, accurate striker in particular with her boxing. You need to have a game plan built in in the event that it goes 25 full minutes. And I have seen people kind of wilt against Vivian because they just don't keep up the same they, they go they land early and they kind of lose focus you need to make sure that whatever you do it is built to scale for 25 minutes because that is honestly probably the most likely reality is that she is in your face constantly and she pressures a lot too you got to have an answer for that and even though she's hittable can you count on the fact that you might drop her certainly possible and if she does great 
but I, I, you know, I, while I, while that would be to your point, that would be a real corner turning moment. If you could finish this opponent, wow, that would say a lot, especially since so many other good fighters that she has faced have not, but it would be very foolish to go in there and not have something built to last for the full 25 given is as a general rule. Yes. In particular, given the durability and athletic quality of the opponent that you have here. Luke, Arujal has a knockout in her UFC debut at Bantamweight, by the way. But since yeah. moving down in weight, maybe you know, coinciding with an increased level of competition, but she's she's become a decision machine in yep. many ways. The losses to Chikagi and the loss to Jessica I when when uh when Evil was making her march toward that head kick against Valentina. But uh, do you think she's the harder striker? Strike for strike, Arajao, compared to the more slicker boxing of Grasso, is that a fair statement? Maybe, maybe, but the difference would, like, okay, in terms of, like, raw power, probably, probably. But in terms of, like, accuracy and what that does for you, especially if you have good timing and they don't see it coming, I cannot say that she's overall a more devastating striker. I don't know that that's true. So when she lands... And she throws with like the kind of power that she naturally has. Yes, probably so. But honestly, I like who do I think is going to take more damage in this fight? If Grasso has got the right game plan, it should be Arujon. It should be. Okay. It honestly should be. So that's I, I, I don't know if that answers exactly your question, but the dude, the better athlete here is clearly the Brazilian. Very, I well, mean, there's just no the tape is not ambiguous in this. Okay, at all. would your opinion on this fight? change at all if I dead wronged myself in the moment being Friday that would make sense and tell you that her loss to Jessica I actually came the fight immediately after the head kick knockout loss to Shevchenko does that change it at all Luke? not really not really I've looked at the more recent footage on Arujo and and it's you know it's fairly clear about what it shows at this point in her career and, and her development um, again I just feel like this is going to be what 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 you want to do if you're Grasso is you want to be steady rain. You want to be steady rain. And if you can find a moment for lightning to strike, do it. But it would be much better for have consistent, scalable offense over the court. And by the way, how exciting that will be, I do not know. But the worst mistake you can make against this opponent, the fucking worst, is to be like, oh, she gets hit a lot. I'm going to bank on that and put her away. That obviously could happen but she is durable despite her obvious deficiencies and powerful in her own right. A very good wrestler can mix it up and can, can hold and control. She can take the back very well. Uh, additionally, I have seen people give away rounds to this opponent by having very bad strategies against her. Yeah, and if that steady rainstorm, Luke, isn't formidable or dangerous enough, you're going to get that hail, hail in return, Luke. Okay, great Pearl Jam song, by the way, correct? I don't know. I've never heard it. All right. All right. Some of us that do know, we know, Luke. Uh, uh, are you ready to take this thing, this car, and park it in the garage here, Luke? Who wins this fight and why? Okay? Because I'm, I'm I'm, here. They got me. They got they got me. Okay? Not No. Not on a saucy Michaela Mayer versus Alicia Bumgarner level. No. But they got me. I'm into this fight. Yeah. It doesn't have the same, the same, you know, something extra that some of these grudge matches have on the boxing side. But in terms of quality, this is a good one. This is a really good one. I like Grasso's chances here. I really think she's come a long way in her development. Yes, people want to point to how her game has gotten more well-rounded, which it has, and they want to point to something you had indicated, like, for example, against against Joanne Wood, formerly Joanne Calderwood, 
that you know just lethal with how quickly she could finish someone absolutely that's part of it as well but this is a different kind of test to me this is the kind of test where you need to be able to steadily apply what you have for a long duration it is easy in a fight to get derailed especially with early confidence that can appear quite genuine but turns out to be false you can ask andrea lee about that she was i mean rocking and rolling early and could not maintain she made a lot of poor decisions along the way that contributed to it but i've seen other opponents do that as well so this is going to be a fight iq test for to, for alexa grasso as well as obviously her overall ability i think she will pass it i think she will find a way to get her hand raised but this opponent is tricky don't let the fact that she gets hit a lot necessarily fool you in the men's game or like in, you know in the heavyweight game if you took this much punishment you probably would get polished off but uh, arujo is tough as nails and a dynamic athlete despite being 35 years of age a great fight no doubt about it when you were referencing the questionable decisions of kgb luke were you also considering dating <laughs> i mean we've been over that one yeah you know certainly i mean certainly some larger judgment issues but in, in just in speaking of the fight itself for example, here's one thing. She was constantly trying to kick her to the body, like a round kick to the body, and Arujo kept catching them and then off-balancing her. And then on the ground, there was a total disparity in ability. It's like, dude, why are you throwing this shit? Why are you throwing this shit? No, and there was one in the third round, like a, like, a, like a hook kick she was throwing, and it missed badly, and then she fell to the ground, and Arujo got on top again. It's like just really really suspect decision-making there. Grasso needs to avoid some of those traps because, again, I'm going to say it one more time. Lee came out and dropped her and nearly took her fucking head off, right? She started out amazing but couldn't sustain the offense. Beating Arujo means you have sustained offense over the course of time. Look, is there a larger statement to be made here? How, much, how many women are going to be shining in the combat sports world globally this weekend? Or is, or, uh, it's a great point. Is, I hadn't su really thought is suffrage of it enough for you? Do you, do you remember the first episode of The Man Show when it was Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla and they went to like a women's rights march and their first their first bit on their first show was... Oh, no. They, do you remember this? It's true. I don't. They, I, I watched every second of that show, but I don't know what you're about to tell me. No, no. I'm, I'm not here to endorse The, uh, the Man Show, uh, but what I would say is in their first bit, they had... They went to like a women's rights rally or whatever, and then they had women who were confused about the term sign a petition to end the suffrage of women for folks who may not know suffrage doesn't mean the suffering it means the right to vote so that that, that was a thing that used to air on comedy central don't know if you could make Dude, that show today bc okay that show was funny then but of all of all the comedy that has not aged well like that show hit hard in like oh 2001 2002 like that thing was like not only acceptable in the general public for the most part but it, it was like it was must see tv luke if you're an absolute dirt hole I'm glad yeah. we've evolved from those ways, though, for sure. Yeah, you know? certainly was. But yeah, to your point, I mean, honestly, what's the, just the, not in terms of like, you know, Devin Haney's the best boxer, but like who's, what's like the best fight this weekend? Honestly, you could make a case for maybe Shields, excuse me, well, you could, maybe Shields and, and Shields Bumgarner. and Marshall is probably the best fight. Shields and Marshall, yeah, what am I saying? It's obviously Bumgarner and Michaela Mayer, but, but in either case, it's one of them. And on the women's, on the men's side, or excuse me, on the UFC side, I should say, this is headlining not by accident either. Like, women have certainly... But I'm going to say it one more time. They're still fighting 10 rounds over on the women's side. And they're fighting two-minute rounds. Yo, fuck that, man. Fuck that. That is nonsense. It's 2022, man. Get it together. I'm I'll, yeah. Last thing on this, BC. When I first started covering MMA on national television, when they aired women's fights, they were three-minute rounds. I remember this distinctly. 
And then they were like, well, we have to, this is, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. they had some stupid ass reason for why it was. Then the commissions changed it. And then lo and behold, all it did was improve the product. Yo, it's 2022 athletic commissions. What the fuck are we yeah, doing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so past time. Even I mean, to have Taylor and Serrano fight at Madison Square Garden and it be a fight that was better than we even thought it could be, but you're still dealing with 10 rounds, two-minute rounds. It's like, come on. And now we have an all-female, you know, uh, big deal boxing card here. It's interesting. Uh, Luke, Russell's going to win a decision, and she's going to look pretty damn damn good doing so, okay? I think the at the end of the day, the volume, you know, she's going to have to establish that submission threat. But at the end of the day, the boxing and the volume of strikes, you know, she's, she's got a chin. That, I trust her chin. That's why. I, look, she's not perfect. There's going to be defensive lapses. She's going to get lit up. But I think her activity will carry her over the hump. We'll see what that does to her title hopes. you got to know the UFC would want her to get to the title shot. This is somebody they can market in, in, a, in an area with Brandon Moreno as the first champion just recently that they're finally getting some momentum. I mean, look, we're like, we're finally seeing what like a real... Mexican MMA fighter can look like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, every, like, like Mexican combat sports have been riding boxing in, in, for so long that it is great to see the evolution of complete fighters coming up the ranks. No doubt about it. And obviously, she's not alone. There are many other ones. But I, I always say it. Like, this is what you want, man. Who are, like, rock-ribbed fight communities across the world? The UK would be one. And uh, certainly on the men and women's side on the for MMA, it's coming along pretty well has obviously had a lot of successes in a number of ways, but there could be so much more, and I expect so much more. And then Mexico, man. Mexico has just been one of the most important markets. I mean, could you imagine boxing without Mexico? No. Be, it, you, you would lose just vast quantities of some of the most important fights and fighters in all of history. So can we get some of that energy for MMA? All it will do is make MMA better, and people like Alexa Grasso, among many others, are 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 on that well, march to give us some of that. It's it's like it's not as it's not as if UFC hasn't been there before and haven't put on big fights and cards and sea level cane and all that, Luke. But we haven't had that one yet, like the UFC London card or like some of these Anthony Joshua fights, where it's like you know you can feel the waves coming through the TV screen. and You're like, I I want to be there. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to climb in. Like how do I you know like like that UFC needs that moment in Mexico City. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they haven't quite had that. Although Mexico City, but the problem is it's always an elevation. It's like it's like two thousand feet higher than Denver. Maybe go to some other places in Mexico that aren't quite as. Uh, UFC to catch your breath in. UFC Tijuana coming your way soon, Luke. We'll check that out. You can go to Guadalajara. Out. You can go to Guadalajara. You can go to other places, too. Okay. Uh, co-main event Saturday night in the Apex. Oh, and Luke, I can... I'll save it for quick hitters, all right? I mean, this meta thing's like, for real, speaking of the Apex, Luke. So we getting real fans and media this weekend? Or is Zuck back? Because this meta yeah, I don't shit... know. Is, is Zuck back there kicking out the peasants? I'm not sure, but I've not heard anything about it. I think Zuck's back there with the power crystals, and they're co connecting to the metaverse, Luke, and uh, they sacrificed a child, and it's all it's awful. It's you watch anything awful. from the meta conference about what they rolled out, it's like comical how shitty it is. Yeah, the only two meta things I've ever liked is Metal World Peace and how meta our Doc 7 was, Luke. I think that was the secret sauce in it, okay? <laughs> That's probably fair. Probably That's it. There you go. Co-main event is Cub Swanson as a plus 170 underdog, 38 years old, all-action warrior, been to the top before, minus 200 Jonathan Martinez. Luke, what are we looking for in round one of this fight? Um, What does Cub's power look like at 135, right? That's what this fight's going to be. What does his power look like? What does his speed look like? Also his durability. Um, 
what kind of range he and Martinez. I feel like I feel like if Cubs and should depend, assuming he's not drained. I, I feel like if Cubs power is there and he's leveraging it, Martinez is going to be lost. I really believe that he's going to be lost a little bit. Um, but I don't, I don't know what the hell he's going to look like in this weight class. At this age, it's like, you know, Aldo pulled it off in his version of things, but he's not 38. So, and Aldo obviously was a, you know, I think it's fair to say a much more accomplished combat sports athlete, even though Cub has done quite well. But Cub's calling card at 145 would say, yo, he was a physical bruiser in the right matchups. He really could be if, you know, against this kind of competition at 145 in terms of like the kind of things that Martinez has accomplished, Cub should dust him off. But I just don't know what to expect. So for me, if Cub doesn't have power at this weight class by virtue of being drained or doesn't have some of the durability, because also Cub's been in crazy-ass fights too, then I think it's anyone's fight. But if he's got those things down a weight class, I think he's going to be trouble. Can we talk about this decision, though? Because, you know, on the surface, you 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 tend to, whenever this happens, whatever a fighter, because it almost, it almost never happens in boxing where someone who's aging goes backwards in weight. So, like, when Nonito Donaire did it and went back to Bantamweight and won world titles, it was like, at 38, it was like, holy shit, right? I know it happens more often in MMA, and Aldo, as you just mentioned, although a little bit younger, was the perfect example but Luke, sometimes that happens when someone runs out of steam in their division and just can't get over and have suffered losses or sometimes they get kicked out. And this is a desperation move. Cuphead is on a streak in which he's won three of four. And that only loss, it was a first round TKO, but it was against Giga Chikadze. So uh, do you look at the, I don't look at this as desperate necessarily, but is it him saying, I want to maximize what's left in me if there is a potential title run in place here, if I can uh, get hot and yeah. run off three, four in a row? I think that's exactly what it is. Because to your point, it's not like he's doing, like, like for example, Jim Miller is doing really well right now, but Jim Miller is only taking a certain kind of fight. He's not looking to fight the very top guys in lightweight anymore. He's looking to fight just, you know, hey, newcomer, a couple guy, a couple fights here or there, just kind of like trying to make sure he's still got a place to maintain in the hierarchy, but he's not trying to ascend necessarily. Now, Cub has beaten some some good fighters, but the elite ones like Giga Chikadze at 145, they've been a little bit too much for him. And I think he probably saw Aldo go to 135. He's probably always thought, I could make 135 if I have to. Let's see what it does for me. Like, to what extent does this extend my fortunes? Because if he wanted to take the Jim Miller approach at 145, he would still win. I think quite clearly, he would still win. But trying to ascend at 145, that does seem like a bridge too far. What kind of fortunes does he have at 135? We will find out tomorrow night. But I think your way of framing it like, hey, what could I do if maybe guys like Aldo could go down there and do pretty well? Could I also have, you know, some big possibilities down there? He's yeah, trying it out. I don't know what to expect, but I'm curious to find out. The problem is he doesn't have Jose's name power, and he's walking into arguably the deepest division, not just right now, but maybe, maybe ever, as much as people hate that we have to put that label on anything good that happens. Um, it's it's an uphill battle, but if it's just also to make fun fights and, and keep you know get a new pool of guys, then let's see what he's going to look like. Don't forget, Luke, that it was just over a decade ago where in a five-month window, Cub Swanson knocked out Charles Oliveira and then took a decision from Dustin Poirier. So mm -hmm. it's not that we forgot that this guy, you know, was so close to greatness a few times, but it's a good reminder of of, of who this guy is. I mean, that was in the midst of a six-fight win streak where he also beat Jeremy Stevens, Dennis Seaver, Ross Pearson. I mean, this guy was somebody before he became a full-time action hero as well, Luke. 
Let's see what he's got left. What is Jonathan Martinez going to provide in terms of resistance as the betting favorite? Uh, some potential better well-roundedness. Uh, he is built for his, his offense can go the full 15 uh, when he needs to. I think he's got um, he's got some decent counter striking if he wants, although I tend to think he probably will lead here. We'll have to see. Um, but like, you know, here's the thing about Martinez relative to Cub Swanson. By the way, Cubs got a good ground game too. I don't know that I see anything necessarily in Martinez's game, but he is well coached. And again, he does have a good kickboxing game, potentially some of that, some of that kickboxing range. I wonder if that will be what he has over Cub. But again, we're talking about a Cub where his 145 traits largely translate to 135 what would be the one thing i would pick that martinez has over cub maybe some better kickboxing right but that's really about it like every again assuming what we know about cub largely translates to 135 cub should have significant advantages here so yeah. that's the crazy part it's like we just don't know what that draining process is going to do to how we understand cub but if he continues to be what we understand from him Dude, he should go in there and bludgeon this guy. Uh, I, 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 I very much believe that, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this fight. We'll see who comes out on By the top. Way, did you see Cub at the press conference, or excuse me, the uh, the media day? No. So I don't quite understand this bit. He did a media day where he stood there, or I should say sat there. He had sunglasses on. And by the way, I've always had a good relationship with Cub, so I, I like Cub a lot. Um, he had another guy sit with him <laughs> and answer all the questions for him Cub didn't say a word, just sat there as he <clears throat> fielded questions that the other guy answered for him. What what do you make of that? So the the guy was answering without consulting, right? Like, like oh, I'm his representative. I know him, so I'll answer for him like that? I, I only saw, like, uh, photographs. I didn't, and then yeah, the Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'd have to see the video to, to really catch the, the full, like, tenor of it. And But is that a, a mind game? That is Cub going into this... Or maybe that weight cut sucks, Luke. That could also be it. But it's Cub going oh, so into. Oh, so hold here. on. So you okay? Do you remember when uh, when it was? Um, you know, remember the guys from Key and Peel? Who's the bald one? Who's the bald one from Key and Peel? Um, my uh, Key, my whatever. Yeah. Do you remember when Obama, when he was president, I think Keegan Michael Key, yeah, when he was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and then Keegan Michael Key pretended to be his anger translator. Do you remember that? No, no, I don't, but they have okay, great well, that bits. Was, but that I was supposed to be a comedy it. bit, blah, blah, blah. So apparently he had his teammate be his, uh, his, his, how do I say this? His anger translator for him. Quote, Cub actually started the weight cut five months ago, blah, blah, blah. And he, he goes through it. It was Dan Argetta who was the, uh, okay. the gentleman who answered for him. Media we'll protest? I, I don't know what that. it is. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that. I don't know. But, uh. Remember that Key and Pell bit on uh, Key and Peel? I don't even know how. I'm, I can't even talk to that. Luke, you know that bit I'm talking about where one of them's playing a Mike Tyson-like boxer and they're at the press conference and they're like talking trash on like a level of like weird intimacy of like, I'm going to take you home and I'm going to make love to you. And it gets yes. weirder and weirder and weirder. And then by yes. the end, they're, they're, they are effing. Uh, that's, I, I don't think I've ever laughed harder. I mean, that that's that's as good as, it, that's Chappelle show level greatness right there, Luke. Okay. That, they, they had some, have you ever seen the one where they did the football players oh, who had yeah. the most insane names? Amazing. Am amazing stuff right there. Um, them smoking weed is a great bit, says Long Island Luke, our fine producer. I mean, what would he know, if we could be honest? What would he yeah. know? Yeah. All right, Luke, we got to stay on task here. Uh, to close on the Askar Askarov Royval situation, I got to ask you uh, about Askarov here. Uh, let's not forget a few things, Luke, heading into this. By the way, I just watched his um, 
his media chat this week, and he was very confident and said, you know, the, the France, the car car France loss was his first in his career. He had had a draw with Moreno. He'd been everything I said he was turning into being. But you add this setback with recent history. I want to ask you now, Luke, if we have a trend here, because Askarov missed weight against Joseph Benavides in March of 2021, still yep. won the fight. He then lost to Kaikar France after a year-long layoff and has been saying this week, I wasn't in the shape I needed to be to win that fight. I came back too early. Well, now here's a fight with Brandon Royville where you could talk yourself into the idea of a, of a potential title shot if he looks great. And now he has missed weight and Royville has ha, has waved off the fight completely. I mean, this is is this three strikes? Are we looking at Askar Askarov as like go up to go up to that 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 cage of killers that we call bantamweight or or get the hell off the pot? He might be. He's thirty. He's thirty, right? And he had a run through ACB from 2015 to 2018. He was a lot younger back then, right? And so now he's at the point where his body has probably, yeah, 30. It's certainly fully developed. He won't get necessarily any any uh, any bigger in the muscular sense. But, well, if he goes up a weight class, I suppose. But he has certainly filled out. And I think if you've missed weight in two of three fights, you know, you're not necessarily in Aspen Lad territory, but you're not far from it either. you got some questions to ask yourself. Again, it goes back to it. Can you consistently make weight in this weight class? And if the answer is not yes, and it has not been that way for now over a year, uh, then you got problems. Then you have some serious problems, and you might have to move up. Yeah. Or maybe he. Here's the other part. A lot of these guys are like, yeah, I'm just going to keep making weight the way I made it when I was 25. Well, Bucko, you're 30 now. It ain't the same. You might have to like tighten up the procedure by which you make weight. I don't know how yeah. he does it, so I'm I am speculating. I want to be very clear Wouldn't about that. Would he be that. small? He'll be small for that, right? I mean, he's he'd be he's very lanky. small. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I really wonder about what his methods are to get down to this weight class. Yeah, it, it is a. It, he's got a moment of truth coming up. There's no question. He was a minus two forty favorite, I think. You know, before this happened. So, even though I thought you know he could lose this fight against Royval, who also, but maybe that's. So is that a business decision by Royval to say, I'm fighting a guy who some people, you know, a lot of people think will beat me. And he's already weight bullied before and done this to Benavidez and still won and just gave yep. up part of his purse. I'm not going to let him do that to me in my biggest fight, right? That's what I he think. Said. I think that's exactly right, and I understand that. You see this, by the way. Tell me if I'm wrong, BC. True or false? When an opponent misses weight, you see more guys decline fights in boxing than you do MMA. Is that true? Yes, that is true. All right, and I think I understand it. I understand it. Like you're giving up a significant advantage. Now he didn't miss much when he fought Benavidez. It was 127. All he would have had to do is get down one more pound, and he would have been inside that one-pound allowance for non-title fights. So it wasn't a dramatic miss. We don't know what he weighed here. Let's imagine, and again, I want to be 100% clear. I am speculating, but let's imagine a scenario where it was like 128, 129. You know, Royville must have been like, yo, fuck that. I'm not yeah. I'm not giving you this advantage, bro. No chance about this. So frankly, if, if, that, if that's the reason... I think Royville is well within his rights to have de denied this opportunity to Askarov. Yeah, Askarov not getting the raw dog tonight, Luke, or Saturday, okay? <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, Luke, I don't think I have enough a lot of time to hang in this undercard longer, but tell me what you want to tell me about the rest of this card. Uh, well, again, the Askarov fight, I was, I was really interested in it because the Askarov and Royville fight, if you go back to like the Royville and Bontarine fight, there was a split decision win for Royville because what you know what's interesting about Royville's style is he gives up the takedown and certain positions a lot and Bontarine in terms of positional grappling was just much better than Royville much much better like clearly on a different level 
But because Royville is so fucking threatening and squirmy, he had no ground and pound. I wonder if something would have happened in a similar way with a guy like Askarov. But if he's going to be on top of you and he's got that extra weight, I can see why Royville moved on. From there, I will tell you candidly, my interest level drops off a cliff. Uh, as I mentioned before, <laughs> Tetsuro Taira is an interesting prospect out of Valley Tudo, Japan. He's back on this card. He's undefeated. The last hurrah of Rafael Sunsau. Also, BC, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Nick Maximov, who continues to call out... <laughs> I don't understand why. He continues to call out Hamzat Shemaev and now Bo Nickel. He's taking on Jacob Malkoon. He is slightly favored, but you know he got handled in this last UFC fight by a guy who I would say is good but probably not even close to the level of Chemaev. He still has all the confidence in the Who world. He can beat these guys. He got choked out, Maximov, Pet right? Uh, Petrovsky, I think, is his name. Okay. Petrovsky, something like that. He's a, so Maximov's a slight betting favorite here. It will be interesting to see how he bounces back, Luke, because uh, Andre Petrovsky is what Long Island Luke is telling yeah, us. Yeah, Petrovsky, yes. Because, uh, you know, look, if you've got... He does the 209 routine great. It's obvious he's got some skill, not a complete package by any means, but... He'd get pro. You can you can get prime placement in the in the hangover of the Diaz shadow, right? Yeah, and I think you know he obviously is a good grappler, but you know you're like he. I don't quite get how losing. By the way, he got submitted inside the first round against Petrovsky, number one, and it's not clear that he's got like other parts of his game developed enough for this level. Certainly, his grappling is very good. I will give him that. It is very very good. But you're calling out like guys who are at the very front of the, or, you know, Bo Nichols not, but certainly the case of Tremaya of the front of this division. It's like, dude, there's a while that you have to wait and prove before you're even in like the ballpark of calling out those guys. Yeah. No, no question about it. Uh, part time videographer, back to full time fighter Mark, Mike Jackson, who's in the curtain jerker, Luke. He'll be a plus. 475 betting underdog against Oof. Pete Rodriguez. So, hey, I'll t it's rare that you're going to get me to tune in that early, Luke. I'll be I'll be ready. I'll be watching, okay? The All scumbag right. MMA media needs a win, Luke, okay? <laughs> uh, yes, the dirtbags who just can't do anything other than criticize, they're going to be back. So, what do you All right. Big weekend globally for boxing. This is the time for you MMA hardcores to take an exit. Uh, thank you, though, for soliciting us. Topic two goes to the box. We're going to start with the biggest one stateside, and it is PBC on Fox pay-per-view from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. The return of the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. He's got a statue in Tuscaloosa that he's, that he's already made sweet love to, but as we talked to, to him about, he uh, that, that, was, thing. that was a big part of the idea of this comeback. We haven't seen him since last September in that all-action thriller, the third fight against Tyson Fury in which Wilder sold out. But, Luke, that has coincided with him feeling the love. He used the term, I finally got my flowers. He feels like boxing finally respects him. He's still going to talk about the conspiracy of Tyson Fury loading up his gloves and doing 18 other ways of cheating, which is still going to turn him off in a way to the general public, just like firing his co-trainer for throwing in the towel and then accusing him of drugging him. Mark Breland, RIP in the corner there, Luke. Uh, uh, could be a, Mark Breland should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. That's a separate topic for another day. But let's he go die? here. What'd you say? You said RIP. RIP to him in the corner. I didn't oh, mean okay. in life. He's still living, but uh, I'd like to see him in, in Canastota. But let's go to Saturday's fight. It's the main event of this pay-per-view. Wilder will welcome the very dangerous 
former sparring partner, Robert Hellenius. They've done a bunch of camps together. They're both about 6'7". Both can club. But Wilder is expected to make magic happen, Luke, like he often does. This is the same ring where he splattered uh, uh, the big dude. Uh, what was his name, Luke? The uh, ex Brazil. The ex-quarterback, Brazil, yes. Uh, Dominic Brazil. Um, as we look at the odds... Minus 800, Wilder, to do just that again, plus 500 for Robert Hellenius. Are you on the side that says, we're all excited to see Wilder come back? Yes. This will probably be a knockout, so double yes, we're here. But do you think, given their history and given that Robert Hellenius has been up and down, that this is a pay-per-view setup for Wilder to look spectacular? Or is this a more dangerous fight than the casual fan can realize? I definitely think it's a setup. I think that PBC really value Deontay Wilder. I think they're very glad he's back. And they couldn't give him some scrub, and they didn't. They gave him a very good challenge in Robert Hellenius, as we all know, who has a history as a training-slash-sparring partner with him. Um, and Hellenius can box. In terms of overall boxing ability, he's probably better than Deontay, but that's true for just about everyone Deontay has fought, and it didn't doesn't seem to matter. I don't think it will matter here in the end. I think... This is this is a good get right fight. This is a good get back fight. This is a good setup fight. This is a good fight where if if Wilder has coasted and is just fucking off and thinks he's just going to walk in there and win without having to train properly, then he might actually lose. But if he is at all the Wilder that we have traditionally understood him to be, he should knock out Hellenius. I think by the seventh or eighth round, something around that point. He does take his time a little bit and wait in certain spots these days. And I just don't see how Hellenius can withstand the punching power of this guy. I don't think anyone can, but um, that would include Hellenius. Well, Hellenius is 38, but obviously at heavyweight, we never panic at this age. We talked on Wednesday how, you know, a decade ago he was this bright prospect. But let's give him credit for rebuilding a bit after some really questionable knockout losses to guys he should have beaten. He has won three in a row, two times stopping previously unbeaten Adam Kovnatsky. But the history between the two does could scare you if you believe Wilder, who says, look, I'm blessing a guy that I respect, is is doing this because he knows the guy and knows his weaknesses here. But uh, before I get to some sound from Wilder about what he does know about Hellenius, I want to find out, Luke, if what happened on the scale just now changes your... It changes anything here. Deontay Wilder weighed in at 214 and a half, and for reference... That's 23 and a half pounds lighter than he was last September against Tyson Fury. Now, to be fair, Wilder purposely put on bulk and weight, knowing that that Fury could lean all over him and they put on an all action war. Deontay has been in the 215, 217 area, you know, the first Luis Ortiz fight in the past. What does that say to you, though? 23 and a half pound difference about where his head is at coming into this. That is interesting, but you, you already kind of, Stole my thunder, which was that, you know, remember the, all those weight training videos he had where, he, A, he was wearing gloves, which was just like, what the fuck are we doing, Deontay? That's the first problem. The second problem was he was trying to bulk up as much as he could for a bout like that against uh, Tyson Fury to give just maximum punching power and everything he could into it, which I think, you know, given his skills and what he was up against, probably made some sense. You know, you're just not up up against that with Hellenius. First of all, like absent, what was he against Berman Stavern? I don't know if we have those, but I think I recall Wilder being much, much lighter, right? Like the, the fact that at 214, I would argue is much closer. Yeah, so 
here we have it for, uh, let's see, for the Stavern fight. Stavern was, I think, 236. And Wilder, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, I got it in front of me, Luke. Uh, Wilder in the Bermain Stavern rematch in 2017 was 220 and a half. So 220 and three quarters. Yeah, so he's, you know, a little bit lighter than that. It's light. It's light. I'm not sure what to make of it. Inactivity doesn't feel like he needs to be that heavy to still have his punching power. Wants to be able to be mobile and move. That could be a part of it as well. I have to uh, say, though, even at 214 versus 230 whatever, I still think he's going to have just ridiculous punching power. So I don't I don't know. It, I don't. It could matter opponent dependent. But in this case, I don't think that this will be the deciding factor whether he wins or loses. Okay, the lowest Wilder has been in recent memory was the first Fury fight in 2018. He was 212 and a half. Right. He would Even slowly gain weight uh, in that rivalry. He was 231 in the second one, 238 in the most recent one. But in between right. that, he fought Ortiz a second time, and he was 219 and a half. So maybe it's not that much of a departure. Hellenius, 253 and three quarters, I believe. So right about where he typically is. But I we caught, we ch chatted, excuse me, Luke and I with Deontay Wilder. Always an interesting conversation because of his charisma, because he's not afraid to tell you about any conspiracies he's got cooking. But here's his thoughts on the challenge he's going to expect from his foreign, former sparring partner. And um, he's always been a great uh, guy to prepare me for, for any opponent that I, that I may face during that time when he's there. But one thing about Robert that I love about him and I can relate to him is that he have a warrior heart. You know, and when you have a warrior heart, you know, you go, you, you, you'll fight to the end. You're going to go off of your shield. And that's how he is as well. He fights to the end, you know, no matter what. When the tough gets going, he gets tougher. And I love that about him. So when this fight comes October the 15th, that's what people are going to see. I don't want people to think that, oh, he's my sparring partner or, or Wilder saying he loves him or he respects him, that it's not going to be a great fight because that's not true. I am one of few fighters, you know, if not the only one that can turn it on and turn it off, you know, meaning that I could turn it off outside of the ring where I come in peace. But when it's inside of the ring, I can transform into a beast. And that's what I shall do October the 15th. I don't I don't want people to to uh to 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 think that this is not gonna be a great fight. This is gonna be war. You understand me? Oh, yeah. This is gonna be an amazing fight while it lasts. And you know, when the bronze bomber is in the ring, I have people on the edge of the seat because you don't know what's gonna happen. I think he's right, Luke. I expect him to win by knockout. I expect both to take big shots, and I expect to be entertained from start to finish come Saturday night. Yeah, I was looking at Deontay there like a, uh, a parent having their kid explain why they had bad grades. I don't know why I had that stupid look <laughs> on my face, but I, I agree. You know, he's got, again, we all have, we're just used to Deontay doing to this day and being angry and all that stuff, but he can, he will still give you a very good fight even when that's not the case. And I think we're going to get that here with Robert Hellenius. I'm, I'm excited about this fight. So a couple extra facts from that interview, if you're wondering what Wilder's future could look like. He says he's ready for the final three years of his career. He believes Alexander Usyk will be at this fight. He said his first piece of business, if he wins on Saturday, would be to fight Usyk if, if he can convince Usyk to do this. And obviously with Tyson Fury's weirdness of late it could be in play that could be early next year that would be a fight a lot of people would be interested in the other one is andy ruiz jr obviously they're both at the pbc wilder said those are the two fights he is looking for 
if he wins here and does what we expect him to, uh, Luke, you can't lose on either path, right? I mean, this is great. Having Wilder back is fun. It matters. I mean, is he has he been overrated at times in his career? Yes. But he also has 10 title defenses at heavyweight. That's fifth all time. Like, I know he there wasn't always killers for him to fight. He never got to fight Joshua. But the guy goes after it. He's fun as balls. It's not impossible he wears a world title again here. It's just not. It's not. I will say I don't love the fact that the fight's on pay-per-view, which, you know, they can't make the fight without it being on pay-per-view because Deontay costs so much, which I understand. Still, this fight to me, it's a very good quality fight, but it still would be the kind of fight I'd prefer to have on free TV. But, um, you know, that out of the way. Other, other than that, BC, I really just don't have any complaints about the fight. All right. Thank you very much. Check out our interview uh, with Deontay for more. Uh, we talked about this undercard coming in, but the only bout I want to focus here on is an important one at 168 in that co-main. Caleb Plant, fresh off of losing to Canelo Alvarez, having uh, the first child with uh, Jordan Hardy Plant of, uh, of PBC Broadcasting fame as well. Uh, this is a big fight against the former champion, Anthony Durrell, former two-time champion, who's fresh off his own performance on that Canelo card when he delivered a knockout of the year contender. In, in reality here, Luke, Durrell's in his late 30s. Plant has that speed and boxing IQ that these odds are going to be these odds for a reason. And right now, according to Caesars, it's minus 1,200 for Caleb Plant, plus 700 Anthony Durrell. But, you know, we the, the Wilder fight could, could end up being competitive. There's a possibility. I think it's much more likely that Durrell's competitive in this co-main event. Do you have any kind of confidence that this is, you know, a somewhat interesting fight as it breaks out. Early. Early, I think so. Um, and, by the way, Durrell was training with Phil DeRue, who was formerly like an ATT trainer. Now he has his own uh, training center in Florida, and I saw Durrell was working with him. And That's awesome. I think, I think, yeah, he's Poirier's guy. He's now Kevin Lee's guy. He trains Timbaland. But he's trained a lot of fighters, and he's got them in good shape very early. Um, so I, you know, I'm expecting a pretty decent Durrell here. I just think at this stage with where Durrell is at, and by the way, remember he was like, "I'm going to fight Canelo. I'm not fighting anyone after his last win." And we're like, "Well, that didn't last very long." So here he is. But um, I just think Caleb Plant's too slick. I really do. I think Caleb Plant's way too slick. We talked about it on Wednesday. The guy's got a chip on his shoulder. He's out there. He thinks the whole world is against him. Sometimes, in many ways, they are. And I, I just. It's hard for me to see like what Darrell's going to do to over the course of twelve rounds better than Caleb Plant. I, I mean, I think he hits harder, but I think he's got a hard linger. time finding him. He's got a linger, and he's got a hope to land something big late. Because look, the the back and forth. I could have played videos with them trash talking. It was actually pretty fun this week. The back and forth. Wilder and Co in uh, Hellenius are boys. These two though have been going at it, and as we established on Wednesday, it seems like Caleb Plant gets into that with every opponent. People want to hate this guy for some reason, but where Darrell was hating this week of just saying, "Look, like you talk a big game, but you haven't beaten anybody." And Luke, that was part of the narrative coming into the Canelo fight. We soft played that narrative to a degree because Plant earned getting to that spot. This was Canelo trying to make history. It was, it was a big deal. And Plant, to his credit, look, as a big underdog, we thought there were areas that he could have moments there. But there were times that he's been featured of late, PBC on Fox, the Mike Lee fight. You know, he's been given sort of big opportunities. But has he beaten as many proven guys at 168 to give you full confidence? Well, no, to be fair. And the big fight where he won the title against Uzkatagi. 
you know, he he was he was in some danger down the stretch of that fight. If Darrell can linger, he's going to have that puncher's chance. But skill for skill, round for round, this should be Caleb Plant showing us that the time off after the Canelo fight only made him more motivated to come out there. Um, he switched things up a bit. I forgot who did he get as a as a trainer in this corner. I've seen I saw him on social media. He was posting uh, with Team Gary Russell recently. Okay, uh, I forgot specifically who I saw him working with um, on social media, but it, I mean, he just—it just looks to be like he's got that eye of the tiger again. This fight's important; it would be a needed name for him in Durrell, and obviously, we're looking to the future toward David Benavides, toward maybe Jamal Charlo when he moves up, maybe Canelo if he comes back in the picture. A lot of big fights to make, but for Caleb Plant, it could be get through this one, and we might start banging the drum for him against Benavides. They hate each other even more than it seems like anybody else hates Caleb Plant right now. But I like this fight. I think Caleb Plant gets it done, but watch closely if Darrell's still there round through, you know, not rounds 9 through 12. That's the area where when Plant slows down a bit, can Darrell set him up and, and hit him with some shots that could change the momentum? But uh, either way, let's see what happens there. A couple other fights worth noting, but we've got to keep this train moving, Luke. Topic number three, staying in boxing. It's going to go down on ESPN Saturday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern is the uh, main event, the, or the main card, excuse me, when Devin the Dream Haney, the undisputed lightweight champion, th 23 years old, he beat George Camposis Jr. pretty soundly just four months ago. They're back in the contractually mandatory obligated rematch, whatever you want to call it. Melbourne, Australia, the same site as the first one, but we're not in Marvel Stadium here. Rod Laver Tennis Arena. Says Luke a Thomas, lot. Yeah, it does say a lot. And in, in in, neither guy's really been overly selling it either, to be fair. It feels like everybody's just like, well, we'll do it again. Look, last time, Luke, they were both unbeaten. Gambosas had just beaten Teofimo. Like, there was reason to, to make this a big event in Australia, and it was until... Haney sucked the entertainment and life out of it. So, Luke, that's really the only question coming in here. Yeah, we get to see Haney fight, and he's either in your top 10 pound for pound or about to leap in that pool. He thinks he might be fighter of the year if he wins here and wins spectacularly. I don't know about that, but you get that point. What the hell can Cambosos do differently to actually make this a fight? And is he capable of that, Luke? Or was that Teofimo night the perfect storm, the perfect night, the perfect performance, the perfect weakened opponent across from you you give me the truth about what's going to happen saturday um the truth is i'm not going to watch this because i don't give a shit about this fight if i can just be very clear about that um listen it it, it certainly is possible that cambosis could do something here catch haney i mean i've seen i've seen i can't remember which fighter it was it was on the zone Someone caught Haney in one, I think, the tenth round of a fight. Jorge gave, Linares. It was Linares. Linares kind of rocked his shit a little bit, and um, you know Haney had to kind of hold on and recover and he, and and ride out the fight, which he did. He did. But I've seen Haney hurt. Is the answer? I've seen Haney hurt quite badly. It certainly seems possible that Cambosis could could try a more aggressive approach, could try some other kind of way to get out of the way of the jab of Devin Haney. And I suspect on some level he probably will, especially early. But in the end, we're talking about guys, and boxing can be wild, but in the end, dude, here's just the fucking reality. We are talking about guys with very different levels of ability. We just are, man. We're talking about guys with very, very different levels of ability. Haney is up here, and Cambosis is not. He's not. Now, that doesn't mean Cambosis is garbage. It doesn't mean he's bad. It doesn't mean he sucks. He is a good fighter. 
And we were wrong about him, as we've talked about a million times now, when he was fighting Lopez. Whatever state Lopez was in, we still underrated Cambosis. Fair enough. I didn't think much of him at that point. I certainly have much more respect for him now. But Haney is, you know, a prodigy, basically. And in the first fight, he didn't have a very exciting approach. It was clinching and jabbing and not a whole lot else. And, dude, Cambosis had no answer for it whatsoever. He might have a marginally better one here. It might produce marginally better results for him. But the strongest likelihood, insofar as we are able to tell, is that this is a waste of everyone's time except for Haney to get a paycheck and maybe, you know, Cambosis to get another big fight where all the titles are on the line. Short of that, I don't know what the fuck is the appeal of this contest. I really don't. Well, everybody's getting paid. It's what Haney had to do. Right, but what, as... like, what's in it for the customer? That's yeah, that's a great question. I don't even think there's a lot in it for the Australian, Luke. I mean, you know, you get to like, whatever royalty and, re you know, regalness that first fight had because four belts at stake, two unbeaten guys, we're going to Australia. To, like, it's all gone. It's all gone. And Luke, looking back, uh, so here's the deal. I felt that that was like... 10 rounds to two, 11 rounds to one. And I didn't think there was really any moments that Cambosis sort of crossed that line and was really in it. But the judges scored it. One judge had it 10 rounds to two, but the other two had it 16, 12, and that's eight rounds to four. So what does that tell you if the idea for Cambosis here, and I'm going to go on record saying, I don't think, I think he held back that first fight. I think he tried to out mix aggressiveness without boxing Haney, got to a point where he realized it wasn't going to happen did not want to risk a knockout so that nobody would care about this second fight and said, look, I'll come out differently this time around. That's just what I think it is. And even in the in the face-off they had on Australian TV a couple days ago, you know, Cambos is like, well, that's the last fight. This is the only fight that matters now of the of the two. And it's like, well, that doesn't that doesn't tell me anything great either. You know what I mean? Like he's and like, also, that one remember, hold on, remember this for just a second. We haven't even talked about this. Cambosis missed weight the first time. And then, you know, eventually made it or whatever. But, like, in the fucking media interviews, he was like, yeah, mind games, mind games. I'm like, dude, missing weight is not the art of war. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is, you're just saying words and hoping that people will buy the confidence. When, in fact, if you look at the words, they mean nothing. You know, uh, like, he's they're just fucking weird. Haney would go on to outland him, according to CompuBox, 147 to 100. So, you know, it was clear there, but it wasn't something necessarily absurd. But my question to you, Luke, regarding this is, if two of those three judges, who, again, when you're that close, you are watching the fighter who's bringing the fight to the other, and I guess, in theory, Cambosis is the aggressor of the two, so in that fight, he's always sort of coming forward, even if he wasn't taking the same type of risks he took against Lopez... Is there a scenario in which Haney, if you're going to give him any criticism, it's that he's safety first? Yes. And he's not a huge trash talker, right? I believe in his power when, when someone's crossing that line and coming into him. I believe in his chin enough. I think, you know, he survived that test against Linares, like you mentioned. And when you're that good, we're looking for anything to, to, to ch tell us that you're not that good. Is there a scenario where Haney's controlling him so well from the outside but Cambosis is a little more aggressive. Let's say he's targeting the body. He's making it more of a fight. And Haney may may back himself into like a majority decision here by accident here. Is there any scenario there in which Cambosis just on aggression alone can maybe surprise us? Yes. Yes. I think that is possible. In fact, I think that actually might be likely. Like the idea that like, oh, for example, you've heard Haney say, um, well, if 
you know, if Cambosis gets more aggressive, that's great for me. I think you brought this up on Wednesday, but I saw him talk about it as well. Like, if he gets more aggressive, great. I have more opportunity to hit him. I tend to think that that's not what Haney's going to do unless it's like a wide open, you know, like there's just no cost to do it. It's just a free shot, basically. Because I yeah. think what's going to happen is he's going to outclass him early, and then Cambosis is this time going to take more risk. Some of that will pay off, and then Haney will just not coast exactly, but he's not going to try and put him away, just kind of just slowly diffuse the bomb as best he could for the rest of that fight. If that means holding on and clinching and being boring or whatever else he has to, he will. He's not in that stage of his career, BC, where he's just going to punt and fight like a dumbass um, in order to give away everything that he has earned. He's, not right. gonna, he's so just simply not going to do that. It's not who he is, first of all. And I think whenever, you know, there's only, I think him and Shaker Stevenson are the only guys that ever get Floyd comparisons right now. Because I don't think you should, by the way. And Floyd's, I mean, Floyd's so fucking great, it's ridiculous, right? But, you know, for for Haney, it's that ability to just suck the entertainment out of it and control it. That's who he is. So I don't think there's a lot, there's really a ton to gain unless he's going for that fighter of the year by purposely focusing on that knockout. You know, it's on ESPN, but people aren't overly joyed. He's gonna have to go out there and do it again. I think I think he does it even easier. Let's hear his thoughts on what his expectations are for the rematch. I mean, um, I had no choice. Uh, I signed up for it, you know, not once but twice. So, um, you know, I was mentally ready for it after the first one, ready to do it, do it again, do it again. So um, we'll do it. We're doing it again, and uh, I'm excited for it. When you look back at that first night, June fifth. Marvel Stadium in Melbourne, uh, you, you shut a lot of people up. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of buzz from that fight because you shut Cambosis down. How It looked easy. How easy was it for you in there? Yeah, um, it was easy because I made it easy um, in there. And uh, on October 15th, we looked to do the same. Um, you know, I just feel like I'm, you know, on a different level than uh, Cambosis. And uh, once again, I will handicap him to, you know, make him look. Like he's, you know, an average fighter, like he's a, a regular fighter, which he's not. But I will I will make him look like that on October 15th once again. I think that's the best way to say it. He, no, Cambos is not an average fighter, but unless he's willing to take monster chances, and even if he does takes too many chances, he may get knocked out. That's what Haney does. Apologies to Haney on us having his name misspelled through that entire interview and Nobody realizing it until, um, yeah. All right. Well, that happened. Uh, but you can check out more morning uh, youtube.com slash morning combat with more from Devin. A lot, a lot of good chat about his future, that division, all those big names. Minus 800 right now. Caesar Sportsbook is Haney plus 550 Cambosis. Uh, Luke, you want him against Loma next? That good for you? Yeah, it, that's where I would like to go. I'd like okay. to go into a bout where there's some genuine intrigue and um, fighters of roughly commensurate ability. All right, there you go for the Luke Thomas special. Uh, you know what is uh, commensurate ability? This all-historic women's card that's going to go down on ESPN Plus Saturday afternoon, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time here on the East Coast, but it's a, it's a big deal in London, and it should be. We've got two matchups in particular, unified or undisputed titles at stake, competitive as heck in the odds, and saucy as shit balls in the... Anger and spiciness between them, Luke. Also, some of the best pound for pound fighters in the women's game. Let's start at that main event. Your under your unified, excuse me, middleweight champion, Clarissa Shields, taking on former amateur rival and belt holder herself in Savannah Marshall. Luke, the storyline could not, could not be any better right now. When you consider both are 12 and 0, both are world champions. 
They met 10 years ago at the Amateur World Championships in which Savannah Marshall gave Clarissa her only career loss, pro or amateur. Uh, they never met again as Clarissa went on to win a pair of gold medals in the Olympic Games and multiple world championships. But here they are, the main difference between them, and it's probably why Marshall opened as the betting favorite, but as we stand right now as a plus 105 underdog to the minus 130 shield is this. Savannah's a puncher. Of her 12 wins, 10 have been by knockout. Shields, on the other hand, has been highly criticized that she has just two finishes. She's an incredibly slick boxer, but maybe doesn't have that one-punch sort of ability. Luke, um, is that the storyline here? Marshall's punching power against the, the purest of pure boxers and arguably the best female fighter in the world right now in the quote, Clarissa Shields? Dude, what was that thing they had this week with the face-off where Marshall said they banged? What the hell was that? I mean, we'll get into that, Luke. I thought I'd start with something a little more uh, clean and important. Well, I know, it's just like, this I was like, what? What did she say? Like, what the hell is that? Uh, to answer the question, you know, here's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, well, this is Shields' only loss, and she lost in the amateurs, and you know, it was 10 years ago. That's not That's not recent. That's not nothing. That counts for something. But, dude, did I read this correctly? Sean Porter in the amateurs in 2006 beat Oleksandr Usyk? Yes. Sean fucking Porter? Right. Like, Devin, Haney, who would you... Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia, I believe, are 3-3 three and three against each other in the amateurs. Right. So it's like, I'm not saying that's not relevant. It's relevant for the time in which they competed and whatever size and age they were. But, you know, is anyone going to bet on Sean Porter to beat Usyk now? You couldn't even make that fight legally. Like, what the fuck are people talking about? So... It's not that I don't take a dude of the two, no doubt about it. Marshall is the puncher. I mean, not a, there's zero question about it. And by the way, it should be noted, BC. I think that Shields is the overall better boxer, probably by a considerable margin. But it's not like Shields has like a Mayweather untouchable style. She gets hit. Yes, she gets hit. So the thing for me is like this could be exciting early, and. You know, it's only two minute rounds, which is just a fucking joke, but that's not their fault. I think it could be exciting early. I just feel like down the stretch, I always say this, I'm going to always say it skills win fights, skills win fights. And Shields is not the power puncher that Marshall is. And Marshall is skilled, but Marshall does not have Shields' overall boxing ability. And I don't think, uh, not, not by much at all. And I think over time, that difference in quality will manifest itself. Yeah, I don't think anybody does, to be fair. I mean, even if you have Katie Taylor or Serrano higher, I mean, it, it's a tough argument to try to prove that somebody is a better boxer on this side of the game than Clarissa Shields, still 27 years old in her prime. And look, her big argument, she could have just argued and said, look, two-minute rounds, I got a lot of people hurt, but they didn't give me that extra minute to finish them. Her big argument had been that she's faced better competition. And I do think that's true because let's give Clarissa Shields credit. She put that quote tag on herself. You see that on her jacket early and was like, I'm putting pressure on myself. And she chased anyone who was a champion in, in essentially any weight class she could make. There were times that she was openly saying, look, if I could get my body close enough to 147 to fight then unified champion or sorry, undisputed champion Cecilia Brekus, who has gone on to lose, you know, she was even throwing that out there i mean she's been willing to fight anyone and when she did fight somebody who on paper was esteemed to be a legitimate challenge christina hammer 2019 for all four middleweight titles uh 
Clarissa like handled her like that was not a fight. Clarissa dominant. I mean, just dominated it on that level. So there's a lot of intrigue to see if Savannah Marshall can land something big. But I do agree with you, Luke Shields is an, in my estimation, a, a, has a huge advantage in terms of just skills. Yes, she does get hit. Yes, she's aggressive and moves it. But uh, I love the battle between them. I love the history. I don't put a ton of stock mentally in, you know, Marshall holding any kind of edge because of that win. Shields is as, I mean, lover or hater, Shields is as tough as anyone out there. She's went to the damn PFL on a, you know, decent level in MMA and was willing to risk it all and, you know, to make money and just stay competitive. I mean, that's who she is. But if I wasn't already into this matchup for the intrigue, the, the stakes, all that, look, it got saucy and you referenced it. And I believe we've got audio and video to show this. Of one of their many. Now, now, remember, this fight card was supposed to take place a while back. The Queen passed. We pushed it another five weeks. Dude, right now, we're talking about this. People are talking about it. Did you see this freaking clip? Do you obviously do? The fact that our one got us here. Yeah, sure. The fact that we were both screaming at each other got us here. I didn't, I didn't have to say to you. I'm, you the, did. It's the fact that I you even did. gave you attention. I had to build You're joking. you joking. You lost the plot. I had to build you off. I had to build. I had to build you. Obviously, do. Fact that our one got us here. Yeah, sure. Fact that we were both screaming. All right, there it is. Well, I, 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 is that that how MK is gonna break up? (laughs) Are we effing or fighting? Uh, Luke, I do believe that she almost needed a translator. That that accent was thick. They actually wrote news stories about this. Granted, in UK tabloids, where it was like, Clarissa Shields. You know, semicolon. I did not have sex with uh with that woman, Savannah Marshall. But dude, um, didn't you like? Here's the here, first of all. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter in any way whatsoever. Like I don't. It, who could care? But it, I will say this. Did you not find Shields's denial a little not forceful? I don't know if she understood the question, Luke. I had to watch that thing like thirty times to, no, to have a. No, she said we didn't have sex. If dude, if you accused me of banging you. <laughs> And obviously, we, you won't even, like, touch me, nor am I interested in banging you. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, are you out of your mind? And it was Marshall who was asking you, are you, or, or Shields, are you out of your mind? It, dude, it was, I don't know what to make of it, but it's strange. Yeah, yeah, it is strange. Um, Marshall brings one world title. Clarissa brings three. Another undisputed chance for Clarissa. She's tried this in a couple different divisions. Um, she's she's won 12 world titles in 12 pro fights. I don't believe that they hooked up, Luke, but they've certainly hated each other for a decade. Clarissa also accusing Marshall this week of outright ducking her in 2018 when they when supposedly Shields' team offered Marshall a big sum to do this fight back then, right after, you know, when they were both a year into the game. I do agree that it's bigger now. It helps that 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 Savannah's also a champion and that she's 12 and 0 with a glossier knockout record. But Luke, it, 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 ma- it matters most when they touch gloves in that ring and we put all of this aside. The O2 Arena, so this is a pretty damn big deal. Four belts at stake, 10 rounds, who wins? Shields. Shields is going to win via decision. I have. I just don't, I think stopping Marshall seems highly unlikely. Maybe even Mar- uh, Shields touches the canvas. I, I don't think that's altogether crazy either. But again, over the course of 10 rounds, be they two minutes or three, Shields is just better. Shields is just better. So I suspect she'll win. But it should, dude, first three, four rounds and maybe even a couple of late ones could be real interesting. This is this is definitely a, a fun one to make time for. They share, I believe, two common opponents in their 12 fights, Hannah Rankin and Femke Hermans, both on the title level. The difference is 
Shields took decisions over both back-to-back in 2018, whereas Marshall stopped both of them two and four years after that. So uh, it is a great fight on paper. I'm glad that it's this big of an event. ESPN Plus giving it prime push. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it. They deserve this. I like that we're breaking history here as well. Uh, but Clarissa Shields is going to win by decision. That's just what's going to happen, Luke. I don't even think she's going to get rocked. The way she handled Christina Hammer, it was an eye opener. Savannah Marshall can bang, and she's good enough on this level to win a world title and in in box well enough. But she ain't the quote. So I'll eat my words come Saturday if that's the case. Check me on the MK Post Show. But Luke. This co-main event has really gotten our attention as well at 130 pounds. Michaela Mayer, unbeaten, going to bring two of those world titles against fellow unbeaten American here in Alicia Baumgardner. This is a great matchup on paper in itself. Meyer, Mayer, excuse me, a minus 280 betting favorite against the plus 215 Baumgardner, who's really kind of come out of, I don't want to say nowhere, but but it's been it's been swift how she's gotten in front of us and gotten our attention at her ability but they hate each other so much that I could play seven straight social clips for you of them pushing and talking trash to get you excited. Here's arguably the best one of the week. Uh, Luke Thomas, I'm going to want to know your thoughts on the back end of this. What? Smile. It's not funny. It is funny. You're mad. I'm glad you take it li- so lightly. You think, I ta- you think I'm taking it lightly? You think I'm taking it lightly? You're going to find out. You're like, you're done. You're replacing. You really know that. You shut the up. You shut the, the f- up. Like your horse face. Yeah, don't be racist. Don't be racist. Okay, come on. You you feeling it? I'm feeling it, bro. I'm feeling it. Okay. All right, Luke. There we go. Yeah, all right. We could have been banging a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, Luke. No, it's a great fight. I think the the. the hatred between them is only jazzed it up. I mean, a horse face Karen Luke, that was aggressive, okay? Yeah, that was a little strong, but, you know, fighters say... I don't know if it's racist, it, though. Though, think... There's been one thing that Dana White has routinely said that I think is quite correct and will help people who, especially, like, casuals who, like, will tune in for a fight every once in a while and then, like, the fighters are saying insane shit about each other. It's like, dude, they're it's the fight business. Like, people will say very, very mean things about each other. You just kind of have to live with it a little bit. Uh, calling her a horse face Karen is a little much, but, you know, that's the fight game. Luke, does Alexo Grasso look like a Karen to you? Because I don't know if you know this. That's her birth first name. Uh, not in the traditional sense of a Karen. So, okay. you, you know, you more imagine like a like a middle-aged, you know, a Walmart shopper? white woman in Starbucks who can't get the seven pump upside down flat white. You know, oh, whatever made like correctly. an elitist white woman, you're saying. Yeah, I got you. That or just a racist one, you know. Probably just the same. Uh, back to this actual fight. Look, McKay- Michaela Mayer, I think, is the better boxer of the two. I think we've seen that. It's going to be interesting, though, Luke, um, if Baumgartner can put power punches together and-, and try to go that route. The one storyline that has seemed to prevail is Mayer has been tar- has been sort of framing Baumgartner as an emotional fighter and believes that the intensity here between them will spill over and it'll play directly into Mayer's hands as the better pure boxer of the two. Uh, are you expecting the heat to turn into an all-action fest here? I think that Baumgartner is going to try and use... She's probably the more powerful puncher of the two. It's, it's kind of akin to Shields and Marshall in that way. Uh, Bumgarner does have a, a a pretty decent punch, um, 
I think that will maybe play a role. But dude, McK- uh, Mayer's got skills, man. She has good. She has good distance management in particular. Um, I, and and by the way, probably a little heavier handed, relatively speaking, than uh, obviously she's a lighter weight, but you know for that weight class, than Shields. But she does have the good boxing, the good overall movement, the the, the range management. She has good defense too. Uh, I just you know could it happen? Could that one punch? Bomb happened, yeah. If you're Deontay Wilder, and that, it's a little more common for him, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be enough for Bumgarner. All right, uh, Mayor is seventeen and zero. The twenty-eight-year-old Bumgarner, nicknamed the Bomb, actually has one defeat, so I'll dead wrong myself. She's twelve and one with seven KOs coming in. That only loss was in twenty eighteen by split decision to the same fighter, Christina Linard, two, if I nailed that. Uh, that fo- that lost to Katie Taylor within the last two or three fights. So. Uh, you know, at this level, Luke, they all end up fighting each other and sometimes a couple times. But these are the class of this area, the 130, 135, separate from what Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano are doing. If the winner here moves up to 35 and faces Katie Taylor, hey, we got we got a big fight either way. Either either Michaela or or Alicia. This is gonna be this is gonna be fun. Yeah, though the, the the women's fights this weekend should absolutely deliver. This one in particular should be fun. Again, for three belts, for three belts in this particular contest. So Winner of this might move up to 135, and as you indicated, take on uh, Katie Taylor or uh, uh, you know, or maybe if Serrano if they can make that beforehand. But they're looking for they're looking for big fights up a weight class for sure. All right, topic five. We'll close with quick hitters, Luke. Here back in the MMA pool for a few of these. Brett Okamoto of ESPN hitting the airwaves to let us know UFC 282, the final pay per view of the year this early December from Las Vegas. Jan Blahovich versus Magomed Ankalaev. At 205, your thoughts? That's a tough fight for either guy. It's an especially tough fight for Jan Blahovich. Ankalaev seems to me destined for a title shot. Um, and it has to suck if you're Blahovich, because we'll talk about it in a little bit, but you know, they they are gonna have Glover rematch Yuri coming well, up. Let's here talk about dis- it right now. That yeah. same night, it look am I wrong? Is this the main event? Glover Teixeira, Yuri Prohatska, part two, their first fight, bad shit amazing for the light heavyweight world championship. Yeah, so like the issue would be there that like I guess that 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 fight between Blahovich and Ankalaev, that's your number one contender fight. I mean, that's really what that comes down to at this point. And you know, Blahovich, who was right on the precipice of getting it done, waiting to see what would happen between Glover and Yuri, and he gets one of the most insane fights ever, and he just gets pushed, and now he has to fight this fucking guy. Like, that's a that's a tough. I I don't know if I don't know if Blahovich is going to get another title shot, BC. I'm I'm thinking he might have missed out on his opportunity. Wow. Not getting any younger as well, but we'll give him that chance to bounce back. That is December 10th. Luke, I want to read you this the highlights of this card as is. Who knows if they will add more, and I want you to give me a grade. Yeri, Glover 2 in the main event. We got Robbie Lawler, Ponzinibbio. Edmund Shabazian's back. Billy Q against Alexander Hernandez. Drickus Duplessis against Darren Till. Rosenstruck versus Chris Dawkins, Chris Curtis against Joaquin Buckley, Bo Nickel makes his pro debut or UFC debut, excuse me, against Jamie Pickett, and then what we mentioned recently, OSP and Gustafson, and now Blahovich Ankalaev. Um, I'll give that card. I mean, certain parts of it are a, are a ten, but overall, I'm going to give that card like a seven and a half. Is that okay. a fair rating? Seven and a half. I go, I go as high as eight because there's some, there's, there, there's a lot of fill there, and the, and it's the filler is good. No, you know, I don't know, but the OSP and Gustafson fight, like, yeah, Jesus. that's gross. Okay, but like, just like at Thanksgiving, you don't have to take every, you know, you don't have to take a spoonful of everything. Look, like I know you don't go near that turnip at all. 
No, turnip is not for me. I don't like it. Turnip and radishes, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, radishes blow. But if you're going to do the cranberry sauce, you got to do the, the the great value, you know, Walmart version of it, Luke. As that that's one of the rare items that as cheap the cheaper you go, the better it tastes, all right? Dude, my Persian friend and his family, every time I go to their house, they eat radishes like we eat apples. Like they just take the radish and just crunch it. I'm like, "Dude, that is Yeah. That is trifling. That is trifling." My yeah, I've I, old guys like to eat onions and stuff, and and I mean people people do weird things from different times. Look, because you know, because sometimes that was their only option. Luke, okay, maybe that's I why I don't my, think that Persians are eating radishes by function of poverty. I you know one of Luke, the great empires was, of human civilization. There was probably a time, probably on the on the men's side of my family. You know, I have a Scottish last name, but I'm I'm clearly French, Luke, and can, French Canadian at that. At some point, they came across the hot dog. For as a means for survival, right? And what all I've done in my life is really just celebrate that tradition. You know what I mean? Like, like is it Adesanya like dances to the cage and stuff? And it's like I don't understand that, but some people do. Luke, maybe I've just been eating all I've ever known. I think you just eat like a raccoon. That's really the only answer here. You eat like a raccoon digging through the garbage. All right. All right. Well, luckily, I don't have to weigh in. Some fighters do, Luke, and that's why Aspen Ladd left the UFC. We know she has signed with the PFL. She'll fight one division up at 145, and she's got a opponent here, and I like this. November 25th, that's your PFL championship card. I believe a pay-per-view at that. It's going to be Aspen Ladd against Julia Budd. Your thoughts on this, Luke? I'm going to give it one enthusiastic thumbs up. Yeah, I, I I don't hate it. Julia Budd is a tough test. She's a proven competitor. You know, you haven't seen her in the UFC, but to anyone who's paid attention to her career, you know she's a physical fighter, a well-rounded fighter, an experienced one. Certainly has her limits. Honestly, if Aspen Ladd's not on her game, I, Bud can very much win that contest. That's hardly out of the... Uh, that, would, that would not in any way be surprising. But if Ladd is back to something approximating what we used to see from her... She should also get a triumphant moment here. But this is that's that's good matchmaking. I like that fight. Okay, I agree with you on that. Our final quick hitter of the week, Luke. I'll let you set this up. It's about your boy Shatri Sid Young Tong, the head of one championship MMA, uh, many many disciplines of combat. Uh, this is about debt. He was a guest on Ariel Hawani's MMA Hour. Luke, take it from here. Uh, I don't know if we have the clip or not. Do we? We do. We have the okay. clip. So let me just basically set this up. There was a report from Bloody Elbow that from John Nash and Anton Tabuena that indicated, we talked about on the show, that the organization certainly has done really well for themselves in a lot of ways. I want to be very clear about this. I really like the one product. I like their rule set. I like how they have Muay Thai in the cage with the four-ounce gloves. I like a lot of what they have going. I think it's just a great alternative to the UFC. And not It's not commensurate with it, but... It's, it's really different. It's a modern MMA product that I think, um, you know, does really well for itself and it should. But they have gotten to this point by taking a lot of venture capital money and they are hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging it like a motherfucker to this point where they've lost almost $400 million. And we know that for very good reason. However, I'm not going to spoil the lead here uh, or bury the lead here, I should say, uh, or spoil the surprise. Chatri was asked by Ariel Hawani about these reports and he just gave what can only be described as the dumbest fucking response ever. Let's hear it. Uh, that you lost a record high $110 million. And this coming off 2020, where 
losses of uh, $48 million. This is from the uh, annual financial filings with ACRA, which is Singapore's close equivalent to the SEC. I remember having you on the show last September, we talked about this, and the quote is, you said the internet is a dangerous place. If you believe everything you read, there was a ton of inaccuracies, tons of errors. It's not even like one or two. If it were just like one or two, I would point it out. It's not even worth addressing. Again, it's like I said, I like to uh, let the truth speak over time. Uh, so that was your response when I asked you about the 48 million. Now it's 110 million, yeah. according to this report. Yeah. Is the 110 million accurate? I think if you want financial uh, information, go to the, the most credible sources in the world, like a Bloomberg or Financial Times, which also wrote articles on one. Are you going to go to an MMA website, right? So that just on that level. But uh, on the bigger picture level, Okay, so there, it, it is in, inaccurate again, but I will It say, is inaccurate? Yeah, go, go to Bloomberg, go to, go to Financial Times. What did they report as far as what the number was? What I'll, what I'll, what I'll say, Ariel, is we are in investment growth phase. To, to be number five in the world or whatever, you know, in, in those Nielsen charts, you have to invest in the brand, the product, the roster, geographies, and you have to expand the footprint. And this takes a lot of capital. It's a very different approach, right, uh, than let's say if I was going to open a coffee shop today, I, I, you sell coffee, you're profitable that day, but you're not scaling globally, right? So the strategy that one has used is literally like, let's have maximum reach, put us on TV everywhere across the continent of Asia, but around the world. And I don't know if you saw, we, we, we just announced a, a broadcast deal in, in Middle East with Bean Sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so the idea is, again, is increasing our footprint everywhere we go. And of course, having to throw events, in. but you have to create a content. You have to create tons of content for each region, for each broadcaster. You know, we're, we have 154 broadcast partners around the world. So the strategy, again, is you have to get this scale before, and, and not worry so much about, you know, what are the coffee store economics, right? And so that's the overall strategy. And we're very lucky that we have, you know, blue chip institutional investors like Sequoia Capital, like, uh, you know, Guggenheim, like Qatar Investment Authority, like Tomasek, uh, you know, Google these guys. These are like the, the very best and smartest investors in the world. Okay. All right. Look, Google let, me tell you, let, me, let me just tell you two things. There's a lot you could go on there with. Let me just tell you two things about his answer that I just find comical. First things first, um, Chatri has, I'll just say this matter of factly, he has dodged an interview with me for a long time. And you could say that, well, you don't have the platform big enough to have the guy who runs one, except that I've seen him on the most podunk fucking podcast imaginable. Dude, he so, was on the State of Combat with Brian Campbell like two years, three years ago. Speaking before. of podunk, speaking of podunk ones, he has, he has, and when I was host of MMA Hour, he, he dodged me as well. Like, I want to be very clear. Chatri has absolutely dodged an interview with me for a long, long time. And then his PR fucking lackey at the time, who is just... A zero in this industry gave me a bunch of lies about how he was oh he was traveling at this time and he has work commitments at this time and it's not like an interview with him necessarily is going to make you famous i was more curious about it but th- you know just the fucking lying around him by his lackeys just made me not necessarily trust anything he had to say but th- that aside bc the two reasons that i want to uh, articulate here that i find this funny I want to be very clear about this. That report from Anton Tabuena and John Nash, you heard uh, Arrow reference it. It comes from a set of documents that was filed to the Singaporean government, their equivalent of um, the SEC. These are publicly accessible documents. And BC, are you ready for this one? That Chachri Sityatong signed. His 
fucking name well, is on... Well, he signs on... a lot of papers, to be fair, Luke, okay? Uh, okay, <laughs> you signed it, my guy. You signed it. That's how we know about these disclosure forms, and his fucking name is one of the signatories to them. So what are you talking about? And here's the second part about this. Like, obviously, Ariel's show was very, very big and very popular, and he deserves all the success for it, but it airs on MMA Fighting. It is very, very weird to me, and YouTube and everything else, but it's, you know, MMA Fighting is the sort of the brand that hosts it and Vox produce it. It's very weird to me that you would attack the credibility of MMA sites, by the way, Bloody Elbow, another Vox media site. You're attacking MMA websites on a show hosted or presented by any way to bare minimum by an MMA website. Like, what are we doing here? I don't understand any of this. So, like, listen, if you want to buy into his argument that there's a certain amount of scale that has to be achieved before you become profitable, fine. That's a fine debate to have. But just, like, shitting on MMA websites despite very accurate reporting and then finding fucking documents that are publicly available. By the way, the one has now going to move their financial headquarters to the Cayman Islands, so this will probably be the last one we ever get. And his name is on them. His name is on them as a signatory, BC. It's just, yeah. it's just you know, like, it's such a fucking easy thing to take shots at the MMA media like that way. And fine, they're, they're very deserving of it in a lot of ways. Yeah, but they're all here, scumbags, Luke. We've already yeah, been down are, over this and, before. And they're lazy and, you know, they're just there to, to be close to fighters a lot of times. Like, there's, there's plenty of good criticisms to make. But, dude, if you're going to get asked about it on this site, shitting on MMA sites is weird and your name is on there as a signatory, my guy. Oh, my Lord, what are we doing here? Well, if if you're asking me whether I'd still accept an offer to represent Morning Combat on Season 2 of One Championship, The Apprentice, you're damn right I would, Luke. But that aside, this is a, this is a little fishy here. I'm going to Google the names that Chachi, like Chachri's like, you do the research yourself. Google these names. I'm going to start right there, Luke. We'll see what happens, okay? I'll yeah, take his right. word for it. Just, just make sure you read it on Reuters so you can get a guy who knows fuck all about the fight game and can buy any PR nonsense that's fed to him. I mean, what, what did you think? Of, did you watch the whole interview? Like, what did you think of his extended answer about, like, this is how this system works? You have to, there's no limit to how much we're willing to go in debt, but you have to go into debt to build up this foundation. Like, do you, separate from whether he's just outright being absurd here on, on that specific question and the John Nash report on Bloody Elbow, do you believe that, like, they've got a pretty strong plan and they will get in the plus and this isn't like, you know, we're going to shut everything down in six months? I mean, they, they well, seem to be is, making... So, okay, so, but this is the other part of it. Everyone's you know, going to look at this and if they're not thinking, they're going to say, oh, I'm out to kill one. Dude, the worst thing that could happen in MMA would be for the PFLs and the ones and the Bellators to go out of business. That would not be good. That would not be good for me. That would not be good for BC. That would not be good for you as the a viewer. And it would not be good for MMA in general. What you want are organizations like one to succeed. That is what you want. And again, I'm going to be very clear. What gets to the what gets to us as the consumer? By the time I turn on my Amazon uh, system or through the browser, however I'm watching it, I love the product. It's very, very good. And there is something to be said for trying to achieve a certain amount of scale in order for it to be profitable. But BC, like two things I would say in response to that. Number one, they have made continuous promises, like we're 12 months away from profitability, we're 12 months away from profitability for several years, and it never seems to come true. In fact, the losses only seem to amount to greater and greater sums. That's the first problem. And the second problem is this idea that we have to scale to profitability. Yes, some scale is required, but you can end up chasing that to a place of nothingness. That's exactly the problem that Uber has found themselves in. 
what they keep doing is if you never read the book, I have it here. Super, I think I have it somewhere here. Um, it's a book called Super Pump, where what they're trying, what, what it basically articulates is that like why did Uber get into Uber Eats? It's because they found out that their ride sharing program was never going to be profitable. And so they had to find other systems that could be technologically um, incorporated or added as an additional part of their business. And then that additional part would achieve some kind of profitability. But it's just scaling to find something that, that will make you money and then rearranging the business accordingly. It's very, very difficult to do that as well. Uber doesn't make a dime. They have been bur I mean, they, yes, they make money, but in terms of net profit, they've been burning and burning and burning and burning money. That's a very dangerous way to go about it as well. Although venture capital will pump, as you can see with Uber, they'll pump a bunch of money into that as well. So dude, like Uber, one makes a very, very good product, but I don't know if it makes a economically sustainable product. And if they can't sustain, that's bad for all of us. I don't wish it on anyone. My only problem with them is they just, dude, his lack of transparency and honesty about these yeah, things is just alarming. And look, I've never loved the the. I know that they, there's a, there's been a, a turnover behind the scenes, and and you know I've, I've really enjoyed dealing with uh, one PR of late for sure. But uh, you know there used to be yes, an their new people are great. Their new used people, to be an aggression level that was that 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 was unhealthy, and and some of those reports about ratings you always had questions about. I get that. Hey, as long as Triller stays in the fight game and we get more crime <laughs> faces, Luke, I'm in. All right. Uh, wow. Uh, thank you, Chatri. That's. Um, yeah. Okay. Luke, that's that. Um, we're going to transition to dead wrong to close the show. By the way, we're closing the show so you can enter a view of one championship fighter. So like, yes. they, you know, dude, they're, their they're... product is great. I yeah. love it. I love it. I just don't like you're going to shit on MMA media and act like everyone is stupid because you think the audience is stupid. Get the yeah. fuck out of here with that. All right. All right. Look at look at Ariel throwing the, the hard balls out there, right? Yeah, yeah. good. So he, I mean, he sure as fuck isn't going to talk to me. So someone's got to do it. Okay. Okay. Luke, as we transition to dead wrong, uh, people have dead wronged us on Twitter during the oh, show saying we yes, missed I it. Yes, I fucked it up. I've, let me let me dead wrong myself, BC. I apologize. So I misunderstood. I thought that what happened was Askarov, talking about the Askarov and Royville fight, which does appear to be off. Um, so that part is true. But the wrong part is that I had thought that Askarov had uh, missed weight, which he did. He was going to miss weight. They, they had told the team, I think for a 127 catchweight fight, Royville said that he would be interested in a 127-pound catchweight fight, and it was Askarov who actually said no. So shouts to Brandon Royville for being a pro and willing to take the catchweight yeah. fight. Whatever happened with Askarov, it's on him. So I apologize for all the parties and everyone listening. I got that wrong. That's on me. Raw Dog, you're a real cowboy. We appreciate your service. Thank you very much. Luke, we're willing to take that L if it's necessary, and we give you an email address, morningcombat at gmail.com, to send in your Wednesday fan subs or every Friday Put us to the test. This one's called Dead Raw. Mm, mm. You better come with receipts, though, okay? And here's day one Dave sliding in. He says on Friday's episode when BC was talking about the Ben Eubank Jr. fight, he said the promoters were Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren, which is dead wrong. You're right. I was wrong here. Uh, Eddie Hearn is Ben's promoter, but Eubank is now promoted by Callie Sauerland of Wasserman, Box Wasserman Boxing, excuse me, formerly... Uh, um, the hell is Callie Sullivan's old company? But whatever, you get my point. BC with the BDE, you got to get this shit right. Love the show. Thank you, Dave. BC with the CTE. That's what you got, motherfucker. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, uh, Sauerland event. That's what it was with uh, Callie Sauerland, uh, named after the family there. By the way, Luke, you don't know Callie Sauerland, but he's like this international playboy 
boxing promoter who like whenever he does the Dave Schaller thing and stands between the fighters, he makes this face like where he, you know, like he's he's rock hard with emotion, like he's just so damn fired up. Uh, we, uh, you know, Rafe and I used to always say if we could go to a Cali party. Pants would be optional. I mean, it would be, you know, a Cali party would be wild. So uh, I'm happy to correct that dead wrong. Let's slide into number two. This one comes from Nima. He says, what's up, MK? First of all, shout out to whoever edited Doc 7. That would be Jake Von Amsterdam. Loved mm-hmm. how Luke's vehement efforts of preserving his privacy were respected while some of the other production crew had their arse cracked zoomed in on. Yeah, Luke, what was up with that with Jake in this one? A lot of ass Jake, in this. So my only rule with Jake was that you you can make me look bad. You can't make my wife look bad. But yeah. I think, which he did. He didn't make me, he, he, he did not make my wife look bad and that's fine. But then he just likes to make all of us look bad. <laughs> He's got some weird fetish about like fuck that guy, fuck that. Yeah, guy, like fuck I'll show guy. that guy's toes. Yeah, or, or he's always trying to get us with our shirts off in it in the dock. I know. Too, it's know? like, yeah. dude, leave me the fuck alone, man. All right. Well, Nima says back to the main point. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you, Luke Thomas. Last okay. week when you guys were talking about your favorite ground game specialist, Luke picked Rachmanov as number one and mentioned seventeen wins, seventeen finishes. I let it go. But then again, on Monday, when discussing the Jeff Neal fight, Luke said it again, 17 wins, 17 finishes. As 16? we speak, and according to many websites, including SureDog, Shavkat 16-0. That's one victory too many. And hey, BC, don't get too excited. At the start of the show, when discussing, discussing Volk being the backup fighter, you referred to 280 as the stacked card in Dubai. But the event is going to be Abu in Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Wow. I'm sure those in Abu Dhabi have paid a lot of money specifically to Dana to compete against and differentiate themselves from their fellow UAE state. Uh, P.S. Luke, why don't you introduce BC to melodic death metal bands from the Nordics? Cheers. It's Nima. Because those bands suck balls. Yeah, Nima. Don't don't try don't try to push your music on us, Nima. We're not we're not down for it. But yeah, I guess I'll take that L again. Uh, here's Ben and Paul. They say on Monday show, Luke mentioned that Robert Whitaker fought Yoel. Previously in Western Australia, Rob fought Yoel at 213 in Vegas and 225 in Chicago, of ah. which of which this writer was in attendance at. They said Yoel did fight in Perth, but he knocked out Luke Rockhold at 221. That's what it was. Yes, yes, you're right. Sorry, my bad, my bad. Love you guys. Enjoyed the shit out of Doc 7. Thank you, gentlemen. And we have one here from uh, Chris from Scotland. So it's a reverse dead wrong. This is interesting. Emailing this dead wrong on behalf of my four-year-old son, Shay, who was within earshot when Luke loudly proclaimed on Monday's show that Santa is not real. After plenty of damage control and informing him that you were just bitter about being on the naughty list, uh, my fiance wasn't as kind, by the way, talking about Luke, I talked him around. I guess it's my fault for listening to you two washed fucks when the kids are home. Um, wow. Uh, he, though, is dead wrong for playing this show anywhere around. Oh, this is our producers talking. So our producers are reverse dead wronging him. That's probably Mikey for playing this show around his kids. Who's really at fault here, Luke? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're a bad father to play a shitbag podcast like that around your kid. You know what I'm saying? All right. There it is. That's the show for this week. Okay. Uh, thank you. No, for I'm sorry work. to the kid. I'm sorry to the little one. I, I'm sorry. To I mean, just, I don't want to ruin your, you know, if you're in fifth grade, you'll fuck your life. But if you're well, young, I was, I was in fifth grade and, and thank you. Thank you to my parents for that. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, morning combat at gmail.com for your future drop offs. Don't forget folks. 
YouTube.com slash Morning Combat is where all of our bonus material is. You can see that Doc 7. Guys, will you watch that freaking doc? I mean, there's like about, I know I get it. There's an average, every episode, there's a certain amount of number that will watch our main show. Luke, those same people don't go down the street and check out that doc that's playing. They don't. They don't. And even even I am going to tell you it's pretty good. Actually, it's really good. It's really, really good. It's worth your time. And I know, you know listen, watch it in chunks. It's not, you know. 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, whatever you can give. But it'll be it's the worth best 40 time. minutes of your day. Believe me on that. Uh, also, BC, you- I know you're doing the post fight roundups tomorrow. Also, don't forget, we got a UFC 280 pregame, pregame, pregame preview with one Iceman, Chuck Mindenhall, coming out on Sunday as well. So be on the lookout for that. I love me some Chuck Mindenhall. Uh, thank you to Showtime. You can get Showtime for free 30 days right now by going to Showtime.com. Check me a week from today. Yeah, Showbox, the new generation in Atlantic City. Be there, I will. Uh, also, after that free month, how about three ninety nine for the next three, okay? Hey, I don't need to tell you that Corey Anderson's fighting for the light heavyweight title, but you can watch it for pretty cheap if you jump on board right now. Morningcombat.store has all the good stuff. Brand new hats today, guys, okay? Um, I don't usually support that Morning Hub logo, but it's our bestseller, and now we got a hat version. It may change your life, seriously. Try it on. Try on the amateur director hat, Luke, as they call it. It's beautiful if you like pornography. <laughs> shout out to Money Lion, AG1, all the people that support us. And shout out to our great listeners. Uh, we can't do any of this without you. Thank you for pushing us to the awards levels. We got some good stuff cooking. We have some good stuff cooking right now. Luke, we got we to. Gotta, there's something big coming around the corner. What is it, February? There's something coming, Luke, okay? So just Oh, there certainly is. That's it's all I got to say. It's, you know what? I'll just say it. It's the biggest thing MK's ever done. It's the biggest thing MK's ever done. So be on the lookout. Thank you. Thank you. Little, little, oh, little dredges. Little, just, little, just, little, just, right? Yep. Yep. Just, just a little bit of that. Enjoy the fights this weekend, guys. Shout out to Long Island Luke on the ones and twos. Mikey Morms somewhere. Uh, my name is Brian Campbell. That's Luke Thomas. Luke, do you have uh, anything to say to the people here? I got to go because I got to do an interview with a one uh, athlete, and I'm looking forward to talking with him. So that'll be out soon as well. And uh, enjoy your weekends. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. Thank you very much. Take care of it up here, okay? Put put yourself first. We got this. We can get through this. I mean, MK care if don't nobody else care. Uh, two more words. We out. That's it. That's I mean, that's it. I'm not doing any more. <laughs>